everybody, and welcome to this week's Master Instructor Roundtable. I'm Regional Master Instructor Marty Miller, and as always, here with my fellow Regional Master Instructor, Miss Wendy Bats. Wendy, how's it going today? Oh, it's going great. How are you? You know this. It's always my favorite time of the week. We get to hang out, talk shop, right? Well, how could it get better than that? I, I'm with you 100%. So in today's topic, I, the cervical spine, I know if you guys have been following us, which I hope that you have, Marty and I have pretty much touched on every major area of the body, starting with the foot and ankle. We've talked about the knee. We've talked about the hip. We've talked about the shoulders. So we cannot leave out the cervical spine because there are multiple things that could go wrong with your kinetic chain if your cervical spine isn't where it's supposed to be due to overactivity and underactivity. So, so that's what we're talking about today. Absolutely. And I think for, for me, this is my opinion that for certified personal trainers, I think that this is one of the most commonly overlooked part of the body. I think that people understand foot and ankle position and posture. And I just think maybe it's because everybody's head and neck tends to be in the wrong position that it becomes standard or there's so much focus on everything below that they kind of leave it out. But what I can tell you is in the gym, I don't think there's anybody that's keeping their head and neck in a, in a neutral position during almost any exercise I see. So, you know, I think that this is hopefully going to, you know, kind of get people to look at things a little differently. Remember how important the position of the cervical spine is as, especially as we look at everyday activity as well. So it's, it's crucial. And I think that it's something that, um, you know, I'm happy we're going to talk about. Well, and I'm going to pull a Marty Miller because usually you're like, when I'm at the gym today, I noticed exactly. blah, blah, blah. Well, last night I, I do a little meditation thing with my kid using an app before he goes to bed. And one of the ones that he had was talking about make yourself different. If you want to be different in the world, what's going to set you apart from everyone else is to look up and put your phone away. And so today's topic, we're also going to discuss, unfortunately, a very growing issue is text neck. We've talked about tech neck, meaning of being looking at technology. There's not a lot of difference. However, texting is causing so many issues, not only in the neck and the head, but also, you know, in the, in the thumbs and the shoulders. It's just it's a rippling effect. And just look up, like what you see, put your phone away, because you know what? You're never going to have a day like today. You only there get you today go. once. So Very there you motivational have it. I know, Very right? I'm becoming one with myself. Anyway, so, <laughs> so if we look at what we're going to actually discuss. Uh, we're going to do what we normally do. So if we go back to the introduction slide, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the anatomy of the cervical spine. So we're going to talk about some of the major bones. We're going to talk about the joints. We're going to talk about the muscles. We're going to talk about the ligaments and tendons. And then we're also going to go into some information about the forward head posture. We're going to look at some research. And as I mentioned, we are going to talk about text next. So, so those are some of the main things that we are going to cover today. And something tells me we'll get into a couple of little sidebar stories. I just who us never. never. <laughs> so if we move on to the next slide, um, let's break into just the cervical spine itself and what an influence it can have on the rest of the kinetic chain. Now, as you guys know, we always talk about the five kinetic chain checkpoints. And so we start at the foot and ankle, we look at the knee, we look at the hip, we look at the shoulders, but then we also look at the head. And when I used to teach it, Marty, and I'm sure you're the same way, I used to say, make sure that your ears are in line with your shoulders. And that used to be an easy cue for people to understand proper alignment. 
However, as we've talked about in previous webinars and as we're going to talk about today, a lot of people have a common um, compensation of a rounded shoulders, meaning their shoulders are in a forward position as well as their head. So that's really no longer the best cue. So if you're thinking about really trying to line someone up, you want to focus on keeping the ear in line with the torso. And, and that's how you can really determine, do they have a forward head or are they tilting or do they have some kind of flexion to one side or the other? All of these things really need to be looked at in order to truly get someone into proper alignment. Yeah. And we'll go through again, our little sidebar stories, but in preparing for this today, um, I have the office upstairs. My wife has the office downstairs and I do my best to have my computer. You know, I have a standing desk, so I'm allowed to, you know, I can change the height of it. So it's not so low where my head's forward, even when I'm sitting, but I was, I just happened to be walking by my wife's office and I noticed her screen is off to the left. So she's always going to be all day long rotating. Mm -hmm. So of course, I guarantee that there's going to be a propensity for one side of her neck to be tighter than the other because of the amount of time or how you sleep. And all these things are, you know, they, they absolutely have a cumulative effect in wear and tear. That's why it's so important. You know, I do a corrective exercise program just about every day, Wendy, as you know, and I spend more time uh, over the last year on really my range of motion on my neck. And it's, it's made a tremendous difference. And my story for the day, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. I've mentioned it before. And Marty, you know that this was an issue with me. I am so busy taking care of so many other people, uh, not just my family, but my clients. I really do put a lot of people first. And I kind of started neglecting my own prop, like my own um, self-care. And because of that, I look down at my job. I do a lot of manual therapy. So I'm applying pressure. I'm always in a forward position. I get home. I do my um, Cal U work. So I'm on the computer. And then, of course, I have a little boy that likes to be picked up and held. So I was doing things in a very forward position and not enough to really bring myself back into proper alignment. And so because I neglected myself for a, a short amount of time, it was very quickly that I started to get more and more or have more and more problems. And so I ended up losing complete function of my right arm, complete function, meaning I could not hold on to anything. I tried to do a tricep uh, extension laying on the ball in my elbow, no matter just with no weight. Of course, I kept going down in weight, starting really heavy what I normally could do and then go down really heavy for me, by the way, it's probably light for you, Marty, but I, I couldn't do it. And instead of going to nothing, I kept just going down in weight until I actually had nothing in my hand and I still couldn't do it. And so I had to get an MRI and it comes to find out that I had three bulging discs and one that was about to blow. And they were like, whatever you're doing, stop doing. And you're going to have to get surgery. We're going to have to fuse your, your cervical spine. And I'm short enough. That was like all I needed to hear. And I started doing a corrective exercise, really focusing on my overhead squat, looking at my positioning and doing my correctives every single night along with traction. I have never had surgery. I have full range of motion. My, my arm works. Um, so there's something to be said by identifying what the problem is. And then instead of just, I'm going to go under, you know, under anesthesia, I'm going to get it fixed. I'm going to just fuse it together and call it a day you can fix your own problems as long as you're diligent and you, and it's something that, I don't know. I like the challenge. They said I couldn't do it and I did it. So <laughs> there yeah, you have and, it. You know, the way I look at it too is, you know, we got into this industry because we have a passion about our own fitness. And then sometimes we're so busy with our life. It's, you know, as you said, when do we put everybody first, but you know, I purposely, I, 
I might be different than a lot, but I am so structured and regimented. And if I have a schedule, I stick to it, you know, no matter what. So I put it into my schedule. I know what time of day I'm getting up to do any of my exercise or my correctives. It doesn't matter. You know, we're talking about cervical. This could be something that's more hip related for you or foot and ankle, whatever that is. You know, we're going to get into the, the substance of the cervical spine, but the key thing is consistency. And the key thing is to make it a priority and, you know, just stick with it. And that obviously what I think is important is when you set that up for your day, it's so much easier to then talk to your clients about what you do, because I think a lot of them think it's just easy for us. And we just magically are fit and move on. Don't have to put a lot of time into it. So, you know, I know that uh, this could apply to any compensation, but I think it's just crucial that we focus on ourselves first, find our weakest link and then work on that. Well, yeah, we are human. So we definitely need to focus on ourselves because we're only as good, you know, as we are healthy. So I always have to remind myself of that as well. So if we move on to the next slide, let's kind of dig a little bit deeper in what we're talking about when we're talking about the cervical spine itself. And that's basically the three major um, areas of the bones, so the vertebrae. Um, so when we're talking about the cervical spine, it begins at the base of the skull and includes seven vertebrae. So we have C1, which is your atlas, and then we have C2, which is your axis. And so think about what's rotating our head those are the primary that are going to help us move our head in the different directions. And we want to make sure that those are in as the best position as possible. And then one bone that we don't often mention is the hyoid bone. And, you know, it does not articulate with any other bone, which I find interesting. Like this is an interesting bone for me. And, you know, it's suspended in the anterior neck with the muscular sling. And so, before you ask what a muscular sling is, we actually put the definition in there. And it's a group of muscles that when contracted, they provide the stability. And so it's extremely important that we have our muscles and the proper alignment. So we have good movement throughout our cervical spine, because if not, we get headaches, you know, and people are like, oh, I have a headache. Well, it may just be because you've got one muscle that is pinching on, you know, one of your major muscles and it's decreasing the oxygen and the blood flow and everything to your brain. So that's often sometimes something that we, we take for granted. Yeah. And the positioning of the head and neck is so important. And again, whatever we're saying about the cervical spine, you could drop this into any joint. It's always going to be important, but because it's so easy to have poor posture and because when you will show some graphics here later about the stress on the neck, when you look at the weight of the head, what's the Jerry Maguire? Um, remember the little kid? The human the head weighs nine pounds or something like that. Seven pounds. Maybe it's seven. I haven't weighed so, my head, so I don't know, but. <laughs> but I think it's that, but we'll, we'll go between, we'll go eight pounds. How's that? But okay. you remember that, that, that movie oh, yeah. quote. But, you know, when you look at just what happens every couple centimeters that your head moves forward and you're looking now about the stress and strain that you're putting on your cervical spine and then all of the small little things that pass through there, all the nerves and, you know, as Wendy was talking about the bones and the structure and how things are supposed to rotate and all that fun stuff. And then you wonder why people have problems. But then think about what happens in fitness then they start to load things. So this is where I always, the way I say is the chaos starts to happen. So we'll, we'll talk more about that for sure, but it's just crucial to, to really focus on the range of motion of the neck and to get people in the best position possible. Well, with you making that comment, I think it's important too, when, you know, when we talk about squats and you put a bar on your shoulders, 
you know, you're loading your back and people were taught back in the day to look up, like, you know, find something and look up and focus on that. Marty and I've talked about the ocular reflex, um, the pelvo ocular reflex to be more specific, where when you look up, your pelvis goes into an anterior tilt. So it's not ideal because it puts excess stress in the, the you know, lumbar region. So you're ca causing more compression in that area. But if you're super tight in the front of your neck because you're always looking down and then you go to the gym and you try to look up, think about everything else that's going to be affected, not just with that reflex itself, but just the amount of stress that you're putting on your neck because you're looking for a range of motion that you do not have. And so it really does, you know, relate to so many things that we do in life, especially at the gym. But, you know, I think that's one of the reasons I was excited to do this and we will have a part two because it really is very important. Yeah. And I put a video out on Instagram a little while ago, because again, I was in the gym and I think it just kind of jumped out at me that day. Maybe it's when we were starting to prep for this that I was watching people and bicep curls, is a perfect example. Every time they curl, their head had to come forward. And I was looking at, I'm like a bicep curl to me is an anti, um, how do I say it is uh, anti rotation or anti uh, movement exercise, right? So as I do my curls, I want my shoulders retracted, my chin in the right position. And I want to fight that forward head as I do the curl, which means I am then strengthening the muscles that would tend to be underactive. I don't need to focus on what's going on my elbow. I know how to do those things, but it's really about just keep, can you do these exercises with keeping your head in the right position and think about the activation of those deep cervical flexors and all the muscles that you're not really familiar with. But if you just lose sight of where your head's at during exercise, you're going to just like anything else feed into a compensation. Absolutely. Great points. And it's with everything. I ask people, what are you looking at? That's what I say to my clients after. I know that they know the five kinetic chain checkpoints. They know what they're supposed to do. So instead of me harping on them all the time, like correct your neck or retract your chin or bring your shoulder back. I'm always like, I look down at the ground and I'm like, what are you looking at? And they're like, oh, you know, so you got to have fun with your clients. You got to be able to talk about, you know, like make sure that they know what they're supposed to be doing before you kind of give them that little nudge. But then it just becomes, it's amusing because they start catching themselves mm -hmm. doing it. And they're like, oh, I've, I don't know. I'm looking at my amazing biceps while I'm curling. Like, I'll look at your amazing biceps. You look at yourself in the mirror. Okay, let's move up. <laughs> but yep. uh, we, then we have to obviously talk about the facet joints. So, Marty, do you want to take us through this one? Sure. So when you look at the facet joints here, it's a typical vertebrae would have four facet joints formed by right and left, a superior and inferior facet. And so then you, when you look at the C1 atlas with the base of skull, this makes up a joint called the atlanto-occipital joint. And then C2, the axis with C1, makes up the atlanto, I'm going to make sure I say this right, adontoid and nice atlanto-axial joints. See that? <laughs> I, I, yes, you did. Nicely done. I'm glad I actually also, gave that one to you. <laughs> There you go. But, you know, both myself and Wendy have the touch licenses and Wendy has spent more time recently doing massages. But, you, you know, when these joints get locked up and the facet joints, you know, this is where a lot of problems come. So I'm not we're not saying that you're going to put your hands on people and go through and do any manipulation. But when you get with a good manual therapist, what they're doing, they're really digging in. And a lot of times they're looking to see if these joints are lined up and do they get the proper movement and, or, you know, what's going on in these structures. So Wendy, I know from your experience, you probably work on a lot of people's cervical spine. So if you want to maybe give some insight, again, this is fitness. We're not talking about manual therapy, but because you're sure. such a good manual therapist, you want to maybe give oh, some insight thanks. on what you see and feel when you're working on people. 
Yes. And when Marty says that I'm a, a massage therapist, I don't do the, the, um, the Swedish. I actually get in there. People stay completely clothed and I do, you know, I look at what's overactive and I focus on that area. And to your point, Marty, that's why the overhead squat really identifying those compensations, I can go in and try to manually release some of these muscles because I can't foam roll that area. I can't easily, you know, get in there or use even the vibration device because I know for me, I can't do that because I feel like my brain is going to explode when I put any kind of vibration up <laughs> in that region. Plus, you have to be super careful. It's not the smartest thing to do. But usually, you know, it's the suboccipital areas that are super tight. And think about the origin and insertion points of some of these muscles that we're talking about. And what can you do? And doing static stretching, really looking at left to right side, I think we often forget that. We look so much at just forward head. But if you're, you know, on the phone and you raise a shoulder and you don't use AirPods or anything like that, and you're, you know, trying to do something, uh, I know for myself being, you know, a mom and I have all my jobs, I sometimes will, will not have my headphones available. And I've got, I catch myself having my phone on my shoulder while I'm doing the dishes or doing something else or trying to type an email. And, you know, you will notice over time. And, and to your point, Marty, if you're looking at a, a screen always to the same side, one side will be extremely overactive, which is causing stress to the other side. And so there are specific things on each side you want to do, just like we talked about with the asymmetrical weight shift in the hips. Your head's kind of the same way. If you notice that someone's got like their chin going kind of a different direction, then look at which direction it's going to and really try to do your best lengthening that side. And then we'll talk even next week about how to strengthen the opposing side because it can play without me even just digging in, just doing the right stretches at the right time, making sure that it's specific to what I found in their assessment process makes such a difference and it's easy to do and they can do it at home. You just have to teach them. Absolutely. And it's, it's one of those things where anytime, I mean, I try to do it all the time because I tend to sleep predominantly on one side. So I'm a left side sleeper and I do my best to have a, a very thin pillow. So I'm in a neutral position, but Wendy, as you know, I travel a ton and I don't get to pick the pillows. So it's not, and the, the other thing in like the airport, as much as I love, you know, flying around, they have the head position forward. Your car has the head position forward. So it's something that I have to do all the time, but I was definitely rotated to one side. And then I was having issues with the shoulder, nothing crazy. Cause I was working through it. But once I really went back and identified that it was primarily from the cervical spine and just a muscle imbalance, as soon as I addressed it, voila, things started to improve elsewhere. I think I told you I turned my my car seat head like because my headrest did go forward. And I know my husband's does as well. And I'm like, what are they doing? Because I just felt like I was like literally driving with my head forward because I couldn't bring it back. And so what did I do? I turned it around. I took it off and I turned it around. So, I mean, yes, if I'm in a car wreck, my head is still safe and supported, but now I can actually do retractions. And that's what I challenge my clients to do. Try to retract your chin for your stop sign. So S T O P every time you do it, or try to keep it back there. And it's really uncomfortable because it's a position that they're not used to being in because they're so used to having a forward head. So that's my story. <laughs> if we move on to the next slide, we're going to talk about the key muscles. And I think this is something that 
if you guys aren't really focusing on the cervical spine with your clients and you really want to get good at proper alignment, you really should have have these muscles highlighted because these specific ones, like I said, sometimes we take for granted and we think, wait, the traps, that's not part of my cervical spine. But think about the origin and insertion and what the traps do. So looking at the cervical extensors. So when we're thinking about the entire rectus spinae, the suboccipitals, which I discussed, which is at the base of your skull, your deep cervical flexors, your levator, pec minor, rhomboids, scalenes, sternocleidomastoid, as well as your traps. Some of them will be underactive. Some of them will be overactive. However, remember, if a muscle is in an overactive state, meaning it's in a shortened position, it's still weak. If it's in a lengthened position, it is weak. So in order to get proper functioning and movement of your neck and all of your muscles, you want to get proper length tension relationship back into that, that area and then do the right things in order to maintain that alignment. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> if we go to the next slide, you want to take us through this, Marty? Yeah, I mean... You know, we, you and I have made the joke of whenever somebody does an assessment, we want to see the video when somebody has overactive rhomboids or overactive glutes. I've never seen someone walk in like that. You know, it's always versions of this. I'd almost like to see the same thing where if somebody walked in, like I call it the Pez dispenser, like they're like, yeah, I can't pull my head forward. I've yet to see that one. You know, everybody has their head forward. So again, I think the problem is we've accepted it as the norm. So I think a lot of newer personal trainers sometimes miss the slight because they're looking for, again, I'll age myself, the ET neck, you know, child of the eighties, that it, it doesn't have to be that far forward. Anything is migrating towards forward. The sooner you catch it, the sooner you correct it, the better for the client. But this is one of the ones I think a lot of people can see feet turn out, knees cave in. But I think the forward head, as you had described, if, if they don't line it up properly with the right part of the anatomy, with the, if they're looking at the shoulder versus the spine, but this is something I would say 85% or more of my clients had a forward head, just even in a static position, let alone when I would load them, you know, if I did any type of weighted assessment, you know, it would generally only get worse. So for me, I think this is something that really we need to be, you know, really focused on. Everything's important, but I think this is one of the ones that gets missed the most. So, you know, when you have that forward head, it can lead to, you know, hand and neck pain, as Wendy had said, her whole right arm had issues, movement restrictions, compensations above and below the cervical spine. So it's, it's crucially important. And statistically, more and more people are working from home, working in on their computer, more time on front of any screen, or maybe even longer commute. So it, it's only going to get worse. Then next week, we'll probably talk about some of the exercises that are, you know, okay, are we, are we feeding into this compensation? But if you look at the gym between here and next week, you're going to see a lot of people choose exercises that would feed into that. And, or when they're even trying to do something that we might suggest, they still allow that head to migrate forward. Great points. And here is, here is a little nugget for you. I learned this when I went through massage therapy school, I actually stayed and did neuromuscular therapy and my teacher was fantastic. And one of the things that he was talking about, especially when we were dealing with issues, when people came in and they said, I have a headache, but it's behind my eye. What you can do is you can ask that client of yours, how often do you have this headache? And usually they'll say after a long day, it may not stay all the time, but it comes back pretty frequently. And if I get that headache, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's behind my left eye. 
If it's behind your left eye, one of the muscles that you can actually go in as a manual therapist or you can have your client stretch if you don't have that license is the sternocleidomastoid, which for you guys, that's this big hunker muscle right here. On that side, if you're a manual therapist, you can just pinch it and work your, your way out from origin to insertion. If not, you'll get them into position and stretch it correctly. If you can open up that one muscle alone, it will really help that headache. And it's amazing for people to say, oh my goodness, that headache is gone. There's your, there's your nugget for the day. Don't say I didn't I like give it. you something. <laughs> there, you have it. there you have it. So we move on. We're going to actually start to talk a little bit more about what ends up happening over time. We end up getting something called spinal remodeling. And this, it's almost reshaping of the spine. And people, I see it, unfortunately, more and more commonly now. But when you notice that people's heads are forward, they get kind of this rounded back. Um, upper upper back, if you will, that's spinal remodeling. And so it's the abnormal reshaping of the spine's physiological curves due to sustained abnormal posture. Your body now, same thing as when you put your clients, let's say in the five kinetic chain checkpoints and you're just setting them up and you notice that they have forward head, but you're trying to get them into proper alignment. Even before you do the assessment, they're gonna, I tell them to retract their chin and, and they look at me and I'm like, make as many chins as you can. And when they retract as much as they can, sometimes they're still not in proper alignment. And they're like, I feel so weird. I'm like, yes, but you're still not in ideal posture. That's how far forward you are. And so we know that our body starts to adapt you know, to whatever demand or whatever positioning we're putting, putting it in over time. And that becomes the new normal, the path of least resistance. We've talked about them multiple times. And unfortunately, when you see this picture, this is something that's more and more common. And what ends up happening here, and this almost happened to me, is you start like losing the natural curve in your cervical spine and you're putting excess pressure now on your discs and your joints. And it's really hard to get that curve back. So, and, and I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, I was, I was just, just, some, just some thoughts is, you know, you know, for years I worked in private country clubs. So I had worked with, a certain population that this was common and very few of them could we fix completely because it had gone 30, 40 years. And I even had some people that went and got x-rays and you look at the arthritic changes. So we worked them back to the best that they could be. But then when you look what happens when with the scapula, the lack of thoracic rotation, then they can't get their arm in the right position. It was truly, um, you know, a, a full, a myriad of problems because it had gone on for 30, 40 years for some of these individuals that, you know, we got them to improve. But when that remodeling happens and then you start adding arthritic changes, you know, you're, you may not be able to correct it fully. Everything, every little degree that you can restore is going to be very beneficial, of course. But Wendy, I'm sure you've seen those type of clients as well. It's, you know, they are going to be in some level of constant uh, dysfunction for the rest of their life because it just, it truly did remodel. And we've talked about this multiple times. You want your cervical spine and your lumbar spine to be stable. You want your thoracic spine to be mobile. And so what ends up happening if you start to see some of these issues and you're not careful or you actually start to get clients that did have that fusion that I discussed, which means they take the disc out and they fuse the bones together, then they're going to end up starting to get mobility or look for mobility instead of stability above and below it. And before you know it, there's going to be more and more issues where people are going to be like, oh, now I've got to get this one fused. Now I've got to get this one fused. And before you know it, you've got more fused you know, vertebrae just due to lack of proper alignment. And to your point, over time, 
you know, you've got to, you've got to really do your self care. And I can't stress that enough because I fell victim to it. And I only have myself to blame. <laughs> but and then we get, I know, then we get into text neck. So when we talk about text neck, because we're going to show you an example next, but we're talking about where the neck and the upper back cause more poor posture due to excessive cell phone use, looking down, texting, doing emails, sitting down and just constantly doing something in a downward position with your phone. And unfortunately, you know, I would say maybe 20 years ago, there wasn't a text neck. I, I didn't hear of it very often, but now it's more and more common, which is really sad. And we're starting to unfortunately see this starting at a very young age because more and more kids are getting phones, playing games, texting with their friends, doing messenger, doing TikTok or whatever it is that the kids do. And the overuse of that is starting to now start at a younger age. So this picture right here can actually start happening before they even get into their late teens, which is really scary. Yeah, and in this last year, being uh, stuck home did not help anything, right? The screen time only went up. So we definitely need to put some interventions in there and get people all the way down to the, the youngest ones back into um, you know some preventative care for sure. Preventative care, coming from my ATC over here. <laughs> So if we actually look at the next slide, we're going to show you uh, some pictures and you can think, you know, you see the different positionings of the head and I, I know it's kind of small, but just a small tilt and a flexed forward flex position, you can see the amount of excess pounds and force that your poor cervical spine is having to hold up against gravity. And unfortunately, especially if you don't have very good vision, you're going to look at the last picture because people have their phones so close and they're looking down. And if you even do this and you have any tightness, you may feel as like a stress point or it will, will be very uncomfortable in the lower part, like in the upper back region or the lower part of the cervical spine. And that's not good because you can see that's up to 60 pounds and you don't, we don't need that, that pressure. If it's, if your head does weigh eight pounds, why add another 60 to it? <laughs> And then, you know, the think about this, the, you know, let's get past even the cervical spine. Think about what the mid trap and the low trap and the rhomboids and the upper trap. Well, think about what would be going on all the way with that last position and or then people are in the gym loading that position. So when you look at all of those factors there, this is why, you know, Wendy and I were very passionate about let's let's get back to some basics of a cervical spine and really focus on why it's so important. And this would be, a you know, a great thing to discuss with your clients when they either want to do certain exercises or they still haven't changed their desk or they still haven't changed the position of their pillows, et cetera. Just, you know, you know, you can get this very easily, just show it to them and be like, okay, here's the why, you know, you, you, you want to get better, but we have to remove some of the stimulus that's causing this. If you come to me two times a week and then maybe you do your stretching another two times a week, four times for 10 to 15 minutes may not be enough to offset I mean, I've seen numbers that people are on their phones for 20 plus hours a week, but that doesn't, that's not factoring in their car rides with the head position, how they sleep, the exercises they pick, you know, who knows, maybe they're watching TV on their laptop or other things. So it could be up to 40 plus hours a week. People are in this position. And I know I get it. I'm sure you do it or you may get it as well. 
I have an iPhone and every week I get a notification mm -hmm. that my screen time went up or my screen time went down. So then I make it, you know, I, I try to challenge myself if I notice that it's going in the wrong direction each and every week, I try to minimize my time on the phone. And it comes back to that app I was talking about with my son. My son's five and I really want him to really start to see what's out there and not see what's just on the phone. And it's so easy for a parent to give their phone or their you know, iPad or something to their kid when they've got something going on. I am, I've done it. I, I'm not saying that it, it's something that I never do because I do. However, to your point, Marty, I think it's very important that we really watch the positioning in our kids and ourselves. It's it's just hard. <laughs> Big changes. But you know, challenge your things, screen time. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to being an athletic trainer. I'm either gonna fix it now or I'm gonna fix it later, but I'm gonna fix it. Right. So, you know, being an athletic trainer, being through it, you know, having this NASM DNA why would I not want to fix it now? Cause it's not a matter if you're going to have problems, if you're doing this, it's a matter of when. So it's a lot easier to get ahead of it now than wait till it's the remodeling or these issues like, you know, uh, with that, that you have with your arm. So you're going to, you're going to address this. It's not, mm -hmm. a, you know, like I said, let's just, which way do you want to address it before it happens or after it happens? Let's just keep you healthy. And then we don't have to address it at all. How about that? <laughs> Well, that's why you're doing addressing it ahead of time. Exactly. Yes. Assessments will tell you everything. But Marty and I can talk all day about what you should do, but I just want you to know there is some research to back what we're saying. And when you see the FHP, we're talking about the forward head posture and it can promote altered link tension relationships as well as the forced couple relationships within the muscular attaching to the bone. So as you can see this beautiful picture right here, and we really have, we talk so much about restoring your proper alignment. And it's mainly because if you do that, you're going to reestablish that proper hyoid bone position that we talked about within that muscular sling. And then Marty talked in great detail and he did such a fantastic job about the scapulothoracic rhythm. So if you missed that, you should go back and watch our shoulder episode because he, he really laid it out there that I thought was fantastic. And if you guys need to hear it again, just type it in the chat and I'll have him he'll do it again. But it's basically the interaction between the scapula and the humerus and then how everything's supposed to move together within its function. And then the last bullet point here, so if we look at the slide, you're going to see that it's associated with overactivity of the upper traps and the levator scapula muscles. And this can negatively affect, you know, basically scapular how we say this wrong? Dyskinesis. Dyskinesis. Dys I have to stop. I talk so fast. Dyskinesis um, that occurs within the scapula when it doesn't move in the normal fashion during humeral elevation. And so... Marty, I mean, instead of going really into the scapulothoracic rhythm, because we're really focusing a lot on the cervical spine, I think one thing that people really get confused about, and because we're spending more time on muscles and anatomy right now, and I know we have one more takeaway on the next slide, but before we even get to that point, can you explain, because when we have forward head, our levator scapula is going to be overactive, your sternocleidomastoid is going to be overactive, your scalenes are overactive, putting you into that position. But the deep cervical flexors are underactive. And because people think that because your head is in a flex position, those would be overactive. So can you kind of give a little bit of a rationale um, on, on why that's not the case? 
Sure. Okay. So, you know, we're just looking at anatomy, how it was derived and, you know, just anatomical positioning. So extension is it, you know, when we're looking at joint angles. So the extension of my neck is when my head comes forward. Flexion would be when my head goes back. So the deep cervical flexors, the problem is they're very small muscles in comparison to the big sternocleidomastoid and these other muscles that pull me in. Plus, I'm constantly feeding myself into that forward head position uh, ex extension. So my it's my vertebrae as they move forward. That's an extended position. The joint angle is changing into extension. And when I bring it back, they are the joint angle is shortening. So it'd be flexion. So think about your elbow. When I curl my elbow, the joint space here is getting smaller. That's elbow flexion. When I do tricep extension, the angle would be getting bigger. That's extension. So same thing. We're just looking at the neck. So you can flex your neck this way, but we're talking about flexion and extension. So it's just anatomical terms, but it's really the percentage of motion of the joint. Is it increasing, decreasing? And that's where it comes from. The key thing is, is to understand Good positioning, bad positioning, forward head's not good, neutral is good. If you don't remember the flexion extension, that part kind of takes care of itself, but you definitely want to know that the sternocleidomastoid is overactive. And then as the term I always use, accidental exercise. Every time I'm doing anything with my chin in the right position, the sternocleidomastoid has to, you know, I look at dimmer switches. It's never going to be off. But the dimmer switch on the sternocleidomastoid comes down, which means the dimmer switch on the deep cervical flexor coli and capitis gets turned up. So I'm even if I'm walking through the airport, which I do a ton with my backpack on, and I will check myself if I can walk through that awesome Atlanta airport from terminal A to terminal <laughs> what T, and I'm in good position that whole time, I am accidentally strengthening the right muscles and keeping those other muscles turned down. So whether you're doing a bridge, whether you're doing a bicep curl, whether you're doing a tricep fill in the blank, if you keep that head in the right position, you are simultaneously strengthening the right muscles and getting the muscles that are tend to be overactive to just kind of come down a little bit. So did I kind of. That was perfect. Okay. And, and another, another, to your point, when we're talking about exercises and the triceps, one very common compensation that I see is when somebody's using the cable and you've got the rope and they actually hunch their shoulders forward and they look down and they do the triceps and they keep their triceps like basically, or their hands basically in front of their quads or maybe even to their side. You're really not getting full benefit of that too, because think about what's happening at the shoulder, but also the stress that you're putting in your neck. So just stand upright, look straight ahead and then do your tricep extensions and you're gonna feel your triceps more, but you're also gonna take the stress away from your shoulder. Plus that sternocleidomastoid hence its name, attaches to your clavicle. And if you can't get the right rotation, then you're actually causing your shoulder joint to be in a very bad or awkward position, which could lead to impingement. And you're decreasing the activation to your tricep, but you're trying to work. So it's funny you bring that up because I was going to do something. I did a, a video about the bicep curls. I was going to do one on the tricep because you know, we all do triceps because it looks good, right? But I've, I've yet to see somebody get injured because their tricep or biceps overactive or underactive. You know, there's certain muscles in your core, in your lower extremity, the muscles in your neck that you have to truly train to prevent just some of these injuries we're talking about. You know, because if you're doing all your pushing and pulling, you're probably going to get enough arm work. But I'm not anti doing the accessory muscles like buys and tries. But when I do my triceps, I do them as a, I guess I'll use a term, a counter posture exercise or poor mm -hmm. posture or 
I, I do it as a postural uh, alignment exercise because as Wendy's saying, if I do the rope, gravity in the machine wants to pull me here. So if I can do a tricep exercise and keep my scapula in the right position, retracted, rotated in the right position and chin and neck in the right position, why I do triceps, great that I'm getting my triceps going on, but I'm doing it for everything else. I'm doing it for my postural muscles, you know, and yes, I want to do the triceps, but it's, that's not really the primary focus, if that makes sense. So maybe I'll throw a video out there this weekend on kind of showing that because Wendy, as you said, everyone's caught up on where the weight stack is and they're here. And all I see is the compression. I want to see mm -hmm. somebody handle the weight appropriately and just be here. And then well, as that, as that weight's pulling them up, they're, they're activating the right muscles to counter that. And I think it's important to note that shoulder elevation is also a huge cervical issue. When you have that, you've got to think you've got your upper traps are going to be overactive. You've got your sternocleidomastoid. You've got your levator. Those muscles are going to, as soon as you go up, those muscles are getting shortened. And then if you've got internal rotations, so your shoulders are going there, think about the stress that you're putting on your neck. So all of these compensations we're talking about can truly affect the cervical spine in a very negative way if you don't have ideal alignment. So to Marty's point, no matter your exercise, it doesn't matter how much you lift. If you can't lift it right, then you're not doing it right. And so do you really look cool at the end of the day? Maybe. It depends on what is it you're trying to accomplish. But for me, if I'm in the, in the gym, I want to activate the right muscle at the right time and the right plane of motion. So staying within the proper alignment really focusing on your tempo, focusing on your alignment. That's what you're looking for. Because as soon as a compensation occurs, you can't do it correctly. And you're actually going to increase the chances of injury or you know, cause something long-term that can lead you to look like this guy on the right-hand side. And then you're really in a lot of pain that could have easily been avoided. There's my rant. Just, <laughs> just don't do it. So if we go to the next takeaway talking about breathing. It can also affect our breathing. So sustained forward head posture can negatively influence the respiratory system because your normal, you know, when you're breathing in, this is going to be initiated by the contraction of the primary respiratory muscles, such as the diaphragm and your external intercostals. So Marty, when we're talking about this slide here, how can my breathing affect my cervical spine? Well, there, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? So the key thing is <laughs> I like to breathe. I'm sure you do too. And I like In to and out every day. <laughs> effectively and efficiently. So the diaphragm, a lot of people, you know, they don't really realize it is a muscle. And I'm going to start with what I see like in a plank or another exercise, then we'll kind of reverse engineer it. So when we do a plank, Wendy, you and I have talked, we're not big fans of like, you know, three minute planks, et cetera. If you're not breathing properly, during that, that means your diaphragm, or if you can't breathe at all and you're holding your breath, that is kind of an indication that the diaphragm might be firing to stabilize a weak core. So right there, one, it's a sign of an unstable core. Number two, how are you going to breathe efficiently if the diaphragm is doing something that it's not 100% focused on doing? But when you look at your diaphragm in this true, you know, really good breathing is, I we did this on another uh master director roundtable last year and we made sure we talked about it. they're like the billows where you know to help kind of feed the fire so if you look at those old school things mm -hmm. it's like you pull the handles apart the bag or the billows would open up that's where the air comes in and when you squeeze them together the air goes out so when you look at how you'd want to do diaphragmatic breathing 
is as I go to take my breath in, I'm exaggerating. So you're seeing a little more motion here is my belly button should be coming out slightly. It's not massive, but just like you're opening up the ability to bring in that oxygen. Then as I breathe, I would be squeezing and the air comes out. Now, when I have a forward head position, there's a lot of different things that can change with the anatomy. If I have a forward head position, last time I checked, the cervical spine is part of my entire spine or my core. So if my head is forward, that means now my spine is not in neutral, which means it's an unstable core, which means other muscles might have to contract. So a lot of times I think people focus on the thoracic and lumbar as the core that needs to be neutral and stable. So as soon as I push my head forward, I've changed the entire length tension relationship of all the muscles that would be stabilizing my core. If my diaphragm has to then jump in to stabilize the core, then I can't breathe as efficiently. So it's a lot of things that could be going on in there, but that's kind of like what I would say is a very easy way to look at it, that everything's connected and that we want the diaphragm to be left alone to breathe. And we want the cervical spine, thoracic and lumbar spine in neutral, let the proper length tension relationship happen. And then hopefully we can learn how to breathe properly. Yes. And think about, and another important point to that, because as you were talking about the, the billow, which again, when, when we did the, this billow thing, or whatever, I, well, I didn't know what you were talking about and we're not that different in age. So I, I, I had to have Marty show me a picture and when he, he showed me, I understood. So if you don't know what we're talking about, welcome to my world. And sometimes having to deal with the smart man over here on, on, as my co-host, however, think about the scalings too. And the, the insertion point. Because obviously when you're inhaling and exhaling, you think about what's happening at the rib cage. And one thing that I think when you're not breathing correctly, one muscle that gets affected that literally can lock your neck down as well as your scalenes because it inserts on the first and second rib. And so there's a lot of things when you're not in proper alignment that can cause your diaphragm not to be able to expand and, and contract like it's supposed to because of what's happening at the neck as well. So it really, like you said, chicken or egg, everything can, can reap havoc in a very bad, bad way if you don't have really good alignment. And I think we take a lot of these muscles for granted because we don't see them. We don't think about them. Now, granted, your sternocleidomastoid, most people see. Most people have big ones because they're overactive, they're overused, underpaid, our head's heavy. <laughs> and are. there you have it. You want to go to the zoo? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, moving on. Um, <laughs> well, you all didn't right. bring show me the money yet, though, but that's okay. You want me to do that? Well, you know Ooh. what? He was an Arizona State Sun Devil, so I gotta, I gotta give that to him. <laughs> Not Jerry Maguire, but, but yes. So when we're looking at the key takeaways, we want to talk. You know, we wanted you guys to really understand some of the basic anatomy, and we call it basic anatomy, but. Anatomy is anatomy. You really want to look at it. You want to look at the origin and insertion and the and the role that it can play on whatever body part we're talking about, because every muscle can't if it's not working correctly, is going to have to have other muscles help it do its job. It's taking away for, from what what it should be doing. So it's going to affect your kinetic chain. So always remember that you want to have proper length tension relationships. So the joints are in ideal alignment. And then you're moving better, you're feeling better, you're performing better, and you're decreasing chances of injury. So breathing patterns, as Marty said, super important. It can be compromised 
with forward head posture. So we want to think about that. Think about what I talked about with the scaling specifically. You want to assess for the improper movement patterns. Look for elevation. Look for internal rotation. Look for forward head. Look for lateral rotation. And make sure that if you see something, even if it's minimal, you want to note it because we have that beautiful solutions table that can walk you through what you can do to help that compensation slowly start to, to lessen and lessen until where it's no longer a compensation any longer. It will take time, but you can do it. Awesome. And then, of course, we're not going to leave you hanging. Next week, we're going to talk about program design. Yes. We want to help you have a better head. <laughs> and your and your, oh, yeah. Uh, again, all about myself, all about self-care right here. So if you guys want to get a hold of me, you can find me um, on Instagram at wendy.bats13, or you can email me as always at wendy.bats at nasm.org. And then my information is right there, marty.miller at nasm.org, and then Instagram, dr.martymiller72. So Wendy, awesome information. I knew this would be fun as always. So thank you everyone for attending, and we absolutely look forward to seeing you for part two next week.